please take a Bible uh, and turn to Matthew chapter 7. If you've got one of the pew Bibles, that's page 972. If you're visiting us, at the moment we're working through Matthew's Gospel, particularly the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, we have reached Jesus' conclusion. Now again, if you're visiting, let me teach you a little bit of Charlotte Chapel etiquette. I've noticed this. We seem to do it quite well. When a preacher is preaching, he gets to the end and he generally says something like, in conclusion. Now this is what we do. I do it. In conclusion, he says. Okay. And we, we close our Bibles, we put away our pens and our notebooks, we reach for the phone, we check the time, we're dreaming of Yorkshire puddings, and we're not listening to a word he says. You know that? It's almost like a trigger. In conclusion, all right, I'm done. I've got this far. I'm not walking any further. Now, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he does not allow us to do that. He is not winding down. He is not just mumbling insignificant words. If anything... He is heightening the significance and the power of his sermon. He's demanding your attention even more rather than slowing. He comes to the end of his sermon. He says there are only two ways. Read with me Matthew 7 from verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. This is not the time to start dreaming about Yorkshire puddings or playing games or checking the phone. This is a time to make a decision on which lays eternity. There is a broad road. Many find it. It is densely populated, it is comfortable, it is easy, but it leads to destruction, Jesus says. But there is a narrow road. And yes, it's hard. And yes, hardly anyone is going that way, but it does lead to life. Enter through the narrow gates. Jesus implores you. Do not play games with your eternal destiny. If you're not a Christian here this morning. Jesus would plead with you. Enter through the narrow gates. Death is not the end. There is destruction beyond or there is glorious eternal life. Now in the Old Testament, as God's people Israel walked this narrow road to life, God provided prophets his mouthpiece, people who would speak his word to keep his people walking on the narrow path. He would teach, they would encourage, they would comfort, they would rebuke. They would say, do not turn to the right or the left. Choose life. There's an application there, isn't there? There's the importance of God's word for any Christian. More than that, the importance of God's word in community. If you're a new Christian, God will use his word to keep you walking this narrow path. And he will use other Christian brothers and sisters to encourage you, train you on the way. It's one of the reasons why I love the book Pilgrim's Progress. Another book plug. I've got five of these books here today that I found in my office. I'll give them away for free. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, please come and take one. But the story is an an allegory of the Christian life. 
A man called Christian walks from the city of destruction to the celestial city. What keeps him walking the narrow roads? Companionship. If you've read it, you know the character is faithful. When faithful himself is taken to the celestial city, he dies. Hope replaces him. So that Christian is never alone. They speak God's word to him. They encourage him because on this path to life, God's word through his messengers is vital to keep us walking in faithfulness to Jesus. But, Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, as Israel walks this narrow path in the Old Testament, God's voice is not the only voice in earshot. Yes, there is a true prophet that is saying, choose life, worship God alone. There's always the voice of a false prophet saying, adore this idol. As God's prophet says, do not turn to the right or to the left. There is always the voice of a false prophet that is tempting them to unfaithfulness. As God's prophet says, you are deep in sin, you must come to repentance. There is always a voice that says, peace, peace. Everything's fine. There is the importance of watching out in the Christian life. There is always a need for discernment, for decisions, for distinguishing between what is true and what is false. See, the same is true for Christian and Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, he's got the good companions who will speak God's word to him, faithful in hope. There is always the niggling voice of lies. They come from characters like Mr. Byance or worldly wise man or formalism, formalist. Now, Jesus alerts us to two dangers this morning. If you're a Christian, someone seeking to live the narrow life on this narrow road, Jesus alerts two dangers. On the one hand, false prophets. These false prophets who disguise themselves and are therefore dangerous. We're going to look at them first. That is the danger that comes from outside of ourselves. But Christian, there is another danger. There is a danger that comes from inside. Not only the danger of a false prophet, but of a false follower. Not disguised and dangerous, but deceived and dangerous. Jesus says, don't switch off. Don't play games. 
watch out. Let's look at these two things. Firstly then, false prophets disguised and dangerous. Verses 15 to 20. Though the narrow way leads to life, it is not devoid of danger. Jesus says, verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Jesus, out of a deep love, a deep compassion for you, speaks honestly to you. There will be some on this narrow way who are only there to divert you towards the broad way. They're sheep. They look like sheep, but they're actually wolves. By this time in the Sermon on the Mount, we should be aware that externals don't guarantee internals. Someone can have all the external marks of a Christian, but internally they are something completely different. You can have someone who prays, and yet they are not praying to God. They are praying for the affirmation and recognition of other people. You can have someone who fasts, but they are not depending upon God. They are depending on other people for acknowledgement. You can have someone who looks like they are living the righteous life, but are doing so not for the reward of God, but for the reward of the onlooking masses. External markers are no guarantee of the inward reality. They look like sheep, but they are ferocious wolves. Remember a few weeks ago, Jesus summarized in a throwaway statement the condition of the human heart. He says, though you are evil. Here is testimony to that inner evil in humanity. That men and women will come deliberately disguised to ferociously attack, to deliberately destroy. They come to you dressed in sheep's clothing, but they are ferocious wolves. You're aware of that danger? You're watching out? We must. The Old Testament is full of people who come to God's church, his people Israel. They pretend to be shepherds and that they are shepherds who themselves feed on the sheep. The New Testament epistles, Paul's letters, full of false teachers who come to the church disguised and yet are just greedy for their own personal gain. Church history is punctuated by false teachers. We are naive if we think it is not a danger to us today. Watch out. They are real. They are constant. He says the threat is continual and so your vigilance must be tireless. Now how do we break this disguise? How can you spot a wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, Jesus goes on. He says, okay, a wolf can disguise itself as sheep. Let me change the metaphor. Though a wolf can disguise itself, a tree cannot. You see that? Verse 16, by their fruits, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? What's the answer to that question? Nothing, apparently. Let me ask it again. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Do figs grow from thistles? No. Jesus says, by your fruit, 
By their fruit you will recognize them twice, verse 16 and verse 20. The inner evil that is there will show itself eventually. Though they disguise themselves as a sheep, their fruit, the evidence of their life will eventually reveal their inner evil. One of my responsibilities during the week is I'm the chaplain for the Hearts football team. So I turn up to training every Thursday morning and I go to the kit room and I go to my little pigeonhole that's got Rev I Am Jolly over it. That's how I know it's mine. And I get my Hearts training kit and I put it on and I go to breakfast where all the Hearts guys are. And I look exactly the same as them. I've got the same training kit on. And so you could look at us at breakfast and say, there's a bunch of Hearts players. Who's the pastor? Who's the professional? It may be hard to tell. I look enough of a thug to be a professional football player. How can you tell the pastor from the pro? Well, just wait until breakfast finish until training starts. See, at the end of the warm-up, look for the bloke who is exhausted. In the opening drill, look for the guy whose first touch is like a trampoline, who can't do anything with the ball. By my fruit, you will recognize me. I can maintain the disguise. I can put on the mask. I can maintain a facade for a short time. But if you look closely, it is pretty evident pretty quickly. These false teachers come in sheep's clothing. But they can never maintain the surpassing righteousness that Jesus calls for in the Sermon on the Mount. Beware. Watch by their fruits you will know them I don't know if you saw that woman on this morning a few weeks ago Kate Hopkins did you see her she was a woman who said that she makes decisions on who her children's friends can be based on their name she makes an instant decision as soon as her children says can Tyler come around to play no way A name like that means that he's late for school, he doesn't do his homework. Now this is rightly, I think, caused outrage. Is that the same kind of decisions that we're making about false teachers? Is it an instantaneous, obvious thing? No, I think it will take time. Uh, By their fruits. Christian, look for their life, look at their teaching, look at their influence. What does their life say? Is there a willingness to be persecuted, as the Sermon on the Mount says? Is there a dependence upon God in constant prayerfulness, as the Sermon on the Mount says? Is there an integrity between the public ministry and the private person? Is there the humility, the confession? Is there the purity, the truthfulness, the generosity that the Sermon on the Mount says? displays by their fruit you will know them watch out watch their lives don't be happy with rhetoric in the pulpit but look for righteousness in their day to day don't be happy with their show on a Sunday morning but look for their godliness don't just look at giftedness follow those who are godly living this life of repentance and righteousness. Look at their life. Look at their teaching. You'll see in verse 19 that Jesus repeats the words of John the Baptist from earlier in the, cha- in the 
book, he says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That is an exact repetition of John the Baptist's words earlier on. I think that's a clue that by their teaching you will know them. There is a standard of truth. There is gospel truth. John the Baptist and Jesus stand on the same page. The apostles follow. Look at their teaching. Is it diverting from the words of Christ or is it faithful? Does it slander God's word or does it esteem God's words? Watch out. Remember the context of a broad road, there is a narrow road. Often false teachers in their teaching will blur the narrowness of the way to salvation. They will blur the reality of eternal hell, as Jesus teaches here. Look at their life, look at their teaching, but also look at their influence. Don't just look at their present ministry, but look at the trail of ministry in their past. Does it show the the preserving saltiness of a Christian disciple as in the Sermon on the Mount? Or is in their train a division and a destruction? Christian friend, watch out for false teachers. Jesus and John are clear. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. False teachers go to hell. And they often don't go alone. They always take people with them. So Christian friend, watch out. Be on your guard. Uh, Keep in the forefront of your vision the true prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke only truth. Not a word of deceit was ever on his lips. He spoke truth about humanity And they hated him for it. He spoke truth about himself and they crucified him as a blasphemer. And yet he spoke truth about his resurrection. Because three days later he rose from the dead. Showing himself to be the true prophet. If you're not a Christian here today. I hope you've learned in life that you cannot believe everything that you hear. But what do you make of the words of Jesus? True or false? You may say, well, he seems like a good guy. I like his teaching. You can't really land there. Because in his teaching, he says, I am God and I will rise from the dead. He's either a liar or those things are true. And maybe you should come and get that book from me, Naked God. It would be a great place to start investigating the truth of the claims of this Jesus. He is not just a prophet like Muhammad. He is God. Short Chapel elders, let me speak to you. Part of your duty of care is to be aware of false teaching. Your task is to defend the truth and to refute error. Both go hand in hand. It is part of the way that we care for the flock. It's not politically correct. It will not be called tolerant. But we must not be tolerant of lies that will bring people to eternal destruction. There's a gospel hip-hop artist called Shailin who recently 
uh, wrote and produced and released a song called False Teachers. In it, he listed 12 false teachers by name. Uh, he listed names like Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, Fred Price, Juanita Bynum, and others. Now, what do you think the response to that song was? Hatred, criticism. You're so intolerant. I think, no, he's standing for truth, and he's guarding the flock by warning them of what is false. Elders, watch out. Be on your guard. But members of Shark Chapel, this is addressed to us all. Watch out. Love what is true, hate what is false. Keep your eyes on the true prophet. Watch out. Now, Jesus moves on. And if anything, the challenge is even more sober. Because he moves from false prophets to false followers. Verses 21 to 23. From those who are consciously putting on an act, he moves to those who are unconsciously putting on an act. He says there will be some who think that they are walking the narrow road, and yet they are actually strolling down the highway to destruction. The narrow gate that excludes all of those who are not followers of Jesus will also exclude some who think they are followers of Jesus. See his words? Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. There are some who will say, Lord, Lord, to whom Jesus says, deceived, deceived. He says in verse 21, 23, sorry. No, sorry, 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, many. This is not an uncommon issue. Many are self-deceived. There are many whom he says are professing Christians who are actually walking to destruction. Now, when I started studying this this week, I thought, you know what, There's, here's the main application. It is to those of us who are on the fringe of Christianity, who maybe come to Charlotte Chapel week by week by week for years and years and years, claiming the name Christian, but are actually disengaged. Uh, they're not involved. They're on the edge. Now, there is an application there. But it's more penetrating than that. Look at verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? This is not just addressed to the person on the fringe of the Christian gathering, but for the person involved in the ministry of a Christian gathering. Lord, did we not prophesy, do miracles, cast out demons in your name? The application is to those of us who are throwing ourselves into ministry. It is to the Sunday school teacher, it is to the fellowship group leader, it is to the elder, it is to the pastor. 
It is not just to the person who on their lips are saying, Lord, Lord, but who are doing ministry in his name. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, there is a possibility of fruitfulness in Christian ministry without faithfulness to Jesus. There is the possibility of results in Christian ministry without the life of repentance and righteousness. Watch out. How do we break through this self-deceit? Think about these words for a moment. Lord, Lord. When you think of Jesus as Lord, what does that phrase, that confession mean to you? Here, it is one of the most exalted claims of Jesus to his divinity. He is both the end time judge and the present exclusive savior. This is no small thing. Lord, Lord. He's the king of the universe. Has it become to you a small thing? A trivial thing? To call yourself a Christian? It is an empty thing. No meaning, no weight. Watch out. Lord, Lord means not emptiness, but my everything. My eternity. Lord, Lord. The the danger for those of us in ministry here is one where we look at performance in ministry rather than obedience to God's will. I've felt this danger. Have you? Where... We mistaken busyness in ministry for godliness. We think if I throw myself into everything, then that is, in the end, our ministry becomes our Messiah. Our service becomes our Savior. It's what we look to as proof that we're Christians. You been there? Felt that? Watch out. Jesus looks not so much for the public and the magnificent, but for the private and the mundane. You ever felt where you're just so thrown into ministry that when you stop, you say, I'm not displaying the private righteousness that the Sermon on the Mount calls for. I'm doing the ministry, and yet I'm not submitting to the Lord. It's an empty thing. I'm serving, and I'm serving, and I'm serving publicly, But I'm not willing to suffer for Jesus. I'm not praying. I'm not giving. I'm not depending. I'm not treasuring heaven. I've got another Lord. It's not his title, it's my title. You can't help but think of Judas at this moment, can you? Prophesied in Jesus' name. Drove out demons with Jesus did miracles with Jesus? Was Jesus his Lord, Lord? His money was. Watch out. We can be self-deceived. Busyness in ministry is no replacement for an integrity of righteousness. Now, this isn't to say that we look to the things we do to be saved. 
but it's saying, because of the Sermon on the Right Mount, I come saying, I can never be righteous on my own. And I find righteousness in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And therefore, he is my Lord. Watch out. How do you know if you're self-deceived? What is the slippery slope to deception? Or have you been drawing your thoughts off Jesus as the eternal judge? Have you been casting off private duties? Have you been shunning the company of Christians? Have you been growing cold to the preaching and the reading of God's words? Have you begun to pick holes in the lives of other Christians? Have you given way to secret sins? Is there a growing division between your public and your private life? Jesus speaks with a love and a compassion and a care, driving you to be surprised now that you might not be surprised on that day. He speaks not to rock our assurance, but to warn us that we might keep walking the narrow path. Pilgrim, Christian brother and sister, turn to self-examination that you might keep walking faithfully with the Lord Jesus Christ until the very end. Let me finish by, don't close your Bibles, let me finish by reading from Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim meets uh, a man called Ignorance right near the end of his journey. He's getting close to the celestial city and he meets a man called ignorance who Christian says does not understand that his heart is self-deceived he's walking the broad road while thinking he's on the narrow road Christian speaks to him be awakened see your own wretchedness and fly to the Lord Jesus and by his righteousness you shall be delivered from condemnation Christian speaks words of warning. Well, ignorance, wilt thou yet foolish be to slight good counsel ten times given thee? And if thou yet refuse, thou shalt know ere long the evil of thy doing so. Remember man in time, stoop, do not fear. Good counsel taken well saves. Therefore hear. But if thou yet shalt slight it, thou wilt be the loser ignorance, or warrant thee. Ignorance comes to the gate of heaven. And we read when he came up to the gate and looked up to the writing and began to knock. The people came and said, Whence you came and what would you have? He answered, I've eaten and drink, drunk in the presence of the king and he's taught in our streets. But the king did not know him. And so he commanded two shining ones to bind him hand and foot and have him away. Then I saw that there was a way to hell, even from the gates of heaven. Be warned. Those of us who are self-deceived, there is a way to hell, even from the gates of heaven. There is a way to hell, even from the seats of Charlotte Chapel, even from the ministry in Charlotte Chapel fly to Jesus in repentance and righteousness and walk 
the narrow roads. Let's take a moment to examine our hearts, to confess our sins, and to run to Jesus, our righteousness.